0: The best things in life are free. Our series is on values that guide us to greater freedom. That means there are constraints on life that take us in the direction of greater freedom. It's kind of ironic, isn't it? The best things in life are free, the values that lead to greater freedom. Today, we're talking about the freedom that comes from having integrity. The freedom of integrity, of internalizing the law and really believing it and living it. You know, it's a little like this if you don't lie, you don't have to cover your tracks. There's a freedom in that. But we're going deeper today. We're going deeper into integrity and internalizing the law. The other day, I was, uh, I was riding my bike, and I had my AirPods in, so I was riding my bike and listening to music at the same time. And I can also chew gum and walk at the same time. Anyway, so I was riding my bike, listening to music, and I could hear the words. I understood the, which song it was. I recognized the song, but the melody was so distorted. I couldn't even recognize the melody of the song. It's a little like when a a siren goes streaming by like the Doppler effect. It goes from high to low. There was something distorted about the melody. And so although I could hear the words or the letter, it's like the letter of the law is sometimes with us, but the spirit is missing. Let me give you an example of how sometimes the letter and the spirit can be different. The letter of the law and the spirit of the law. In Mark Twain's Huckleberry Finn, probably one of the most important classic works of, of, uh, of, of American literature. Huck Finn. The pivotal moment in Huckleberry Finn in that story is when he's trying to decide whether he's going to help his friend, Huck is trying to decide, is he going to help his friend Jim, who's a slave, escape? And he feels like it's wrong, but he feels like it's right. Externally, the letter of the law says that Jim is a slave. Internally, he knows there's something wrong, and so sometimes our Our internal compass is lined up with true north. Sometimes the melody is there. The spirit of the law is within us, even if the letter of the law is taking us in a different direction. Here's here's what uh, Romans chapter 1 says about it from Paul. It says this, God's invisible attributes. You hear that? God's invisible attributes, namely his Eternal power and divine nature have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world. It's in us, you see. Even as broken people, even as people whose meter is a little off, who can't always hear the melody, it's in us. It's there by the things that have been made, he goes on. So we are without excuse. For although they, or people living apart from God, knew God... They didn't honor him as God or give thanks to him, but they became futile in their thinking. That was turned off by moralism when I was young. And I, any talk of behavior or the law or morals all sounded like moralism to me or legalism. Like it's what reducing us to our behaviors. It was all like, it just seemed like everything was against or what I'm supposed to be against or what, what, uh, what I can't do and do's and don'ts and shits and shits and cans and cans. What we're going to be seeing this morning is the way the law is for us. And when we internalize it, we find a greater, greater freedom. From the Word of God, Matthew chapter 5, Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, starting with verse 21. Matthew 5, 21 to 26. Hear God's Word this morning. You've heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not murder, and whoever murders will be liable to judgment. and then come offer your gift. Come to terms quickly with your accuser while you are going with him to court, lest your accuser hand you over to the judge, and the judge over to the guard, and you be put into prison. Truly I say to you, you will never get out until you have paid the last penny. This is God's word. Let's pray. God bless us now through this word, not only to our minds to understand it, but to our hearts to receive it, internalize it, that through our lives we may live it. In Jesus' name, amen. So Jiminy Cricket said, let your conscience be your guide. Well, it's not always that great of advice because our conscience is not always in tune with the melody, or the moral structure of the universe. See, Huck, Huck's barometer, his, his thermometer, his, his uh, moral compass was lined up. He was hearing the melody of the spirit of the law. But we don't always. Sometimes our conscience is off. Sometimes our conscience is too hypersensitive and we start uh, giving ourselves static for things we need to let go. Sometimes we hear uh, a guilty buzz over things that we're not responsible for. Well, that's a conscience that's out of tune with, with reality. Sometimes our conscience is silent when alarm bells need to be going off. And so, take a look at Jeremiah 17.9, what it says, why the reason that is. Jeremiah 17.9 says this, The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can understand it? Now, we're in a day and age when people say, just follow your heart. Follow your heart. That It's all about individual expression or individual actualization or just becoming your, your best version of yourself as though that were something that we needed to find just inside of us rather than some external guidance. Now, we need that external guidance. We need the law. We need to internalize the law because what it does is the law frees us from the ditches. It frees us for the best direction, and it frees us to find our destiny. Ditches, direction, and destiny. Here we go. First, The law, internalizing the law, the spirit of the law, integrity. It frees us from the ditches. It keeps us from the stumps and hazards along the path of life. And one time uh, when, let me just show you how this, the law operates by giving you this picture. One time I took our kids uh, when they were very young, they'd never been on the edge of a cliff. And I was very nervous doing this. So What I did was I told them, this was just when the older three, you know, we were on Signal Mountain, and I took them to this famous cliff, um, falling water, and uh, I said, all right, in the car, I mean, I knew the cliff was just down the hill, and I I, I was like, don't get out of the car yet, don't even take your seat belts off, let me tell you about what we're going to do, there's a cliff, and you can die, okay, so they were like, oh my gosh, so I said, all right, you're going to crawl on your bellies, and then you're going to get your, your chin right to the edge of that cliff, okay, I want to see everybody, and if anybody doesn't do what I say, I'm going to grab you by the seat of your pants, I'm going to pull you back to the car, right, so we crawled, we all just crawled on our bellies, and we just looked over the cliff, and they were they were awestruck, it was just amazing, the power, of the height of that, and the respect that they had for it, began to grow, you see, this is the benefit of the law. It shows us where the edge is. Let me tell you another quick story. So, this story about uh, a guy who wanted to take a, 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 ca- a taxi cab, and they were all lined up, and he wanted to take this taxi cab along uh, this viaduct that, that didn't have uh, any guardrails. Okay, and uh, the first ca- taxi cab driver, he, he was interviewing him. He said, you know, he said, um, tell me about how you, you know, your experience in going along the viaduct. He said, oh. No, I can get right to the edge. You no, know, right to the edge where the uh, the yellow line is. I can I can drive right along that yellow line. The next guy said, oh, I can go six inches over that yellow line. I can drive 60 miles per hour right between the yellow line and the edge of the cliff. The third guy says, I don't know how close I can get to the edge of the cliff. <laughs> I'm too busy hugging the inside of the road. And he said, Well, I'm going with this guy. See, this is somebody who had internalized said, I see the benefit of the limits. I know that it's for me. I'm not, I'm not just, I don't just see it as something that's, that's against me, but it's for life. It's not just to avoid death, but it's for life. You know, think about the way that we talk about, for example, the way we talk to kids, to teenagers about, uh, about the pleasures that, that, that they begin to, to, to uh, and the temptations of, to pleasure that can get them into trouble. And so often we, we use scare tactics or, or we tell them, oh gosh, just be careful. We, we use this whole idea of, 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 hey, you could die like you're at the edge of a cliff, instead of saying, look at the awesome power of, what it, uh, uh, of, of, of being at this edge, but, but being able to appreciate you know, the vista and to know where the limits are. Where's the inspiration for what God has made in terms of the limits and the design? We need to be inspired. See, Jesus is showing us a vision of inspiration, the benefit of internalizing the law. He's talking about. It's like he's ta- he's a rafting guide, and he's taking people down, and he's saying, "Hey, look out! There's a strainer over there. Or, look out! You know, there. You you, you want to stay in the raft uh, uh, through <laughs> through this uh, this hydraulic current? Okay, let's pull together on this one. I mean, he's like, let's go on an adventure, and let's respect the limits. Well, That's the first thing. The law, just internalizing the law, not just not just trying to say, hey, look, I know where the limits are and I can come as close to them as I. But I so internalize the law, I want life, not just to avoid death, right? That's, that's avoiding the ditches. But, but it's more than that. Internalizing the law and finding freedom from that is finding direction, even when we can't see very far down the road. It's finding direction and trusting the law, trusting... The Scriptures, trusting what's biblical to take a step in that direction, even when we can't see very far. The Word says, you know, Psalm 119 says, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet. A lot of times we want to think of that lamp as like a spotlight that shines all the way down the, the path. It's not. It's a foot lamp. It's a lamp that if you hold it in your eyes, it, it, it may it's too bright for you. But if you hold it down and, and say, look, Lord, just show me the next step. And we trust it. Even though it doesn't make sense, you know, there are things that Jesus is saying here in this passage that don't seem to make sense. But if we trust it, if we practice it, you know, life is lived forwards and understood backwards sometimes. When you trust this law and practice it, you can see the wisdom of it, the benefit of it through your own perf- personal experience. So, for example, right in this passage, it says this. You know, if you, you're trying to honor me, God says you're trying to honor me with a gift at the altar but you, have, you know that you need to be reconciled with somebody, go first and try to be reconciled with them. You see, if you can't practice reconciliation person to person, how are you going to receive reconciliation from God? If you don't believe enough that reconciliation leads to life, you don't believe enough that God is in those moments that He's working, he's, he's doing something in your effort to trust Him to take that step, right? It's uncomfortable, Maybe that person doesn't deserve forgiveness. And you're like, this doesn't make sense. I don't need to le- let this person off the hook. But you trust anyway. Then you come back to worship. Then you're somebody who believes, somebody who's practiced it, who's who's experienced it, who's wise to it, and is ready to receive God's reconciliation, ready to receive what God would offer you. I know so many people right now in this church in my family, around the world, around around the country, people I've met, I, I can think of a dozen people right now that are struggling in their life because they cannot receive reconciliation from God. And you know why? They're refusing to practice it, person to person. You see, they're not free. There, there's not an integrity to the law. They 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 keep coming to church and they keep saying, "Lord, you know, heal me from this pain." or or, Lord, uh, free me up from, from this bitterness. But they're not just doing the next thing. They're not taking the foot lamp and saying, okay, leave, leave your gift. Go out of worship. Go make that phone call. Go have that face-to-face, that lunch. Practice it and live it forward a little bit and understand it backwards. Jesus is showing the principle of integrity of internalizing and trusting the law, the spirit of the law, the melody of the law, understanding there's moral structure to the universe. And when, we, when we, we live or die by that moral structure ultimately, you see, that's why we break ourselves on the law not just breaking the law. We break ourselves on it. You don't practice it because you don't believe it. You don't believe it because you don't practice it. There's a relationship there. And so that's the second way. That's the second way the law, law of in, internalizing the law and having integrity. It sets us free. It gives us direction, even when we can't see all the way down the path. All right? Here's the third thing, though. Oh, before we move on to the third thing, I want to give you one more quick little Im- image of this. Um, some, um, you know, last year sometime, our family went to the, the escape room. And this kind of il- illustrates how practicing, you know, unlocks some things. Practicing the law helps us unlock it so we we're in this, this escape room and we had to collect these things and put them on a barrel and well we, we didn't understand why we were doing that but eventually there was enough uh, there, there, there were enough of these items that we collected on this barrel that, um, that unlocked the next level for whatever reason I'm not going to tell you the secret but <laughs> there, well, it, there, there was something that happened because we collected those items and then all of a sudden this trap door opened right? It was pretty amazing. And that's what it's like to trust the law, to practice it and see something unlock in you, see something unlock in a relationship a- externally. And then you can begin to see things unlock in you internally. But finally, it's this. The way that we can internalize the law to find greater freedom. Well, see, <laughs> the law sets us free for our destiny. It sets us free for our destiny. It shows us that we're destined for something bigger than just the now. And that is to relate well to God. To become the kind of people, listen to this, to become the kind of people that you want to run into in eternity. The kind of people that God wants to populate eternity with. You see, the law, following the law, believing the law, internalizing the law, having integrity, begins to make us a different kind of person, somebody who can relate well to God, the kind of person you want to run into in eternity. C.S. Lewis wisely observes that there are a good many things which would not be worth bothering about. Listen, there are a good many things that would not be much worth bothering about if it were only to live, if I were only to live, only 70 or 80 years or so, but which I had better bother about very seriously if I'm going to live forever. There are a good many things we shouldn't be worrying about if we're only living for this life, living for the now. But if we're creatures made for eternity then we better take those things pretty seriously. Love your neighbor. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Not just avoiding but doing them proactively. Going for life, not just avoiding death, not just saying I'm not going to do the worst, you know, external murder. But is it really getting in me, the contempt that leads to murder? Am I, am I, am I living into that contempt internally, but just avoiding the, you know, sort of the social awkwardness of murdering somebody, right? <laughs> I mean, seriously, is it really, is the law and the limits and the freedom of those limits really getting in? Jesus is saying, don't just avoid the big bad sin of murder, will the good of others. That's why he's taking the, he's starting with the big obvious and he's starting to go into the smaller, you know, don't just, and he goes all the way, don't even, don't even call somebody a fool in your own mind and heart. Don't even harbor that kind of contempt because it leads to a prison and letting go of it sets you free. He starts with the obvious. And he works towards heart change so that we can become people who can relate well. And sometimes we need guilt, okay? So sometimes the law makes us feel guilty, right? Makes us feel guilty. But guilt is over doing bad stuff that everybody can see, guilt over that. That that can be a short-term inhibitor of bad behavior, but it doesn't change the heart. The guilt shows us maybe what's wrong, but it doesn't propose what's, what's right. Guilt can show us what we can be against, but what Jesus is saying is the law is about much more than what you're against. It's about what we can be for. Here's an example. White privilege. I know this is sensitive, but we're going for it this morning, all right? So let's focus. White privilege can lead to white guilt and it can bring short-term results. Let me tell you, the, let me tell you the, the first time I heard this term was from a, a very liberal white pastor who was, uh, used to be a, a close friend of mine. Uh, but he's kind of taken a turn uh, for bitterness. I hadn't said this to him, but he, he very personally accosted me uh, because I was uh, holding up a, pos- a particular a position of accountability, he said oh that 's just your white privilege talking, but you know what that sounded like to me? It sounded like bitterness. that sounded like somebody who 's identifying with someone else 's pain so that they could feel better about justifying their own hate. This is somebody who I believe is being eaten up by hate and is finding. trying to find his own path to redemption through somebody else's cause, somebody else's pain. Now, he thinks he's making it his own cause and really internalizing the problem, but he's going too shallow. He's still on skin color. I'm not saying that we shouldn't deal with skin color. We should. But as an expression of a deeper concern that we have, a deeper concern. See, see, when you go too shallow... When you only try to guilt people into better behavior, it doesn't appeal, as Lincoln says, it doesn't appeal to our better angels. It's win-lose. It doesn't go to the root of the problem. Win-lose stays on the level of symptoms, and it says, let's just try to make things even through power. But Martin Luther King Jr. went much deeper than this, and so does Jesus in this passage. Martin Luther King was so compelling and still is so compelling because he wasn't just anti-racist, he was pro-human race. And he showed the inequities among races, not just to use power to play one uh, guilty story over uh, another story of oppression, but in order to show uh, what's going on now as a way to show the problem that runs through every human heart and to help us become the kind of people you want to run into in eternity. He didn't just keep it on that, he used the now to help aim us at our destiny. He wasn't leveraging destiny, he wasn't leveraging eternal principles just to fix the now. Because he had it in the right order, because his priorities were right, because he went deeper into the human problem. He was so compelling. In confronting black and white inequality, He made evil his opponent. He made corruption his opponent. He didn't make the symptoms or a particular race or a particular attitude among one race his opponent. He understood that guilt may bring short-term gains gains, but not long-term change. Instead of using Jesus' enduring principles to solve problems in the moment... He was using the problems in the moment to help prepare us to become the kind of people you want to run into in eternity. Jesus said, you have heard that it was said. So that's the external problem. That's the now problem. But I say to you, that's the internal and eternal problem. He's going deep. He's saying the the dividing line between good and ill runs through every human heart. So if guilt can only point out the symptom then what's the motivation that leads us to the kind of character that God wants to see in eternity and wants to see right now between races, between spouses, between siblings, between co-workers? What Jesus does for us is he shows us the spirit of the law. And the spirit of the law is not to avoid the bad, but to go for the good, to will the good of somebody else, even at your own personal Cost. We need to learn from our past sins without living there. We don't need to have an identity that is caught up in the past. We don't need to have an identity that's caught up in race. We, we we can have we can celebrate our heritage. We can celebrate our race. But but if we're simply leveraging power for the now to get something now, then we're missing the bigger opportunity to be set free, to be the kinds of people that internalize the kind of integrity that that move and transcend these, these surface divisions that keep plaguing us. We need to learn from history and even be moved by it to see where it lingers but not live there. We don't need just the letter of the law to avoid the worst, but the spirit to bring out our best. Listen to these words of William Cowper who wrote 100 years ago, a hymn writer, he said this, listen closely. How long beneath the law I lay, how long beneath the law I lay, in bondage and distress. See, that's moralism. That's just the letter of the law. How long beneath the law I lay, lay. in bondage and distress, I toiled the precept to obey, but toiled without success. And then he says this, to see the law by Christ fulfilled, And hear his pardoning voice changes a slave into a child and duty into choice. You see, when you see that what God wants for us in these limits is freedom, then maybe we can begin to internalize it. Maybe you and I can begin to change. Maybe we can practice it person to person and become the kind of people who can relate well to God. All throughout eternity. Let's pray together. Gracious God, our Heavenly Father, thank you for aiming deep and not just at the surface. Thank you for what the the sacrifice of Christ did, not just model for us, but to empower us to be grateful, to move towards your limits, to embrace Scripture with grateful hearts knowing that in them lies life. In Jesus' name.